0: campus is taking it to another level starting august 28th book in your college saturday with the c2c team in every saturday of the college football regular season at 10 a.m eastern come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the saturday slate of games start sits players to keep an eye on and college dfs lineups then the late show with coast to coast we take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances whose values increased or decreased the most and Those out of nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on the tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. Campus to Canton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe.
1: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus Decanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are on episode eight. Of our conference breakdown series here summer school before the season begins we've covered a lot of them colin at this point we only have uh the big 10 which we're doing tonight we have the sec and then we have the pac 12 and then we'll probably talk some independence as well um i'd feel better about where we were if you had stuck to the schedule while i was on vacation but (laughs) here we are i i did i did one episode while you were on vacation but
2: the other one, we had a really good Debbie episode with Corey. So. Yeah, you did.
1: You did. It's it's hard to be mad because it was a good episode. but I just
2: Right. Well, it's also uh, when I get a guest on, I don't want to pigeonhole them into, hey, this is what we have to talk about. I want to let them kind of lead the discussion a little bit, you know, like get a chance to put out some of their takes, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, with mm-hmm. Alfred, when I brought him on, I didn't mind being like, yo, Alfred, this is exactly what we're talking about. Um, but with Corey, you know, I wanted to give him a little bit more freedom, talk about some things that are in his wheelhouse, talk about things that, you know, like the article he wrote. So that's why we went off script.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. Well, just making my life more difficult down the road here, but here we go. (laughs) That's (laughs) what I live for. All right, guys. So we have a really special guest hopping on here with us tonight, um, to talk a little bit about their last minute predictions as we've been doing again, these last, uh, seven episodes here. Um a lot of news. We're gonna we're gonna go through some of it in depth and then work. There's just so much that we're doing just a quick hits tonight for some of these. Like I have a list of them that probably weren't important enough to get their own three to five minutes from the two of us, but should still be something that you're paying attention to. Um, because that we've just hit that point in the year. Position battles being won, injuries, Nick Saban being mad at people. I mean, there's just a lot going on. All right, guys. So before we jump into the news here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, the Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of these shows in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out their weekly Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Alrighty, so hopping into some news here. As we said earlier, Nick Saban is angry. And you can say what else is new, but this time he has a target for his anger, and that is Jaleel Billingsley. We talked a few weeks ago about um you know billingsley not being a practice being on uh, a little bit of the, uh, the 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 poop list there uh, for nick saban well now he is really in some trouble um he is way down the depth chart at this point and when asked about it recently nick saban said the following well that's up to him that's not up to me he knows what he's supposed to do in practice He knows what he's supposed to do. You know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. You've got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. That includes a sense of urgency, playing fast, executing, doing your job. It's a privilege for everybody to go out there and be able to create value for yourself. And we have scouts at practice every day. So everybody thinks it's just about playing in a game, but that's not, it's not just about playing in the game. They watch practice film, they watch guys every day. You guys on ESPN, you evaluate what happens in the game, but they evaluate what happens every day. Um that doesn't sound great for Joe Billingsley. <laughs> um he's just a total fade now, right? I I don't I don't want to touch that kid anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough.
2: Um, uh, I mean, I know we talked about it a little bit before the last time the this, this story surfaced. So, like, you know, he's not somebody that I have a lot of. Uh, he's not somebody that I have any of just because of the range he was going. But at this point, yeah, it's it's hard to, to take him anywhere. And if you have him, you got to sell him. Um, I mean, shocker. The uh, the nictator says it's not a democracy. I loved that line in there. That Yeah, it was so perfect. <laughs> it was. Um, but I mean, he he has a good point. And, you know, it, like we talked about last time, if, if you end up in Nick Saban's doghouse, it's tough to get out.
1: And, and for him to be figuring these things out three years into his tenure there, like if he was a true freshman, I'd say, OK, maybe he can rebound. You know, he's still kind of getting his feet wet there at Alabama. He's been there three years. That if he hasn't really figured it out by now that I'm not sure he's ever going to. And we've talked about on the show before. Alabama is the closest thing to a professional environment as you can find in college. So, I mean, Saban treats these guys like they're pros. Like, they like you know, you're going to come in, you're going to prepare, you're going to do all the things you have to do. And and so, yes, I, I highly recommend if you have Jaleel Billingsley and somebody in your league is either not paying attention or doesn't care about this news, I would pawn him off so quickly um, to, to whoever the, the, the first offer, honestly, uh, is. Because I just I, – I don't see a lot of value there for him anymore. Um, now, give me some waiver money in, for him at this yeah, point. To yeah, be yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, CJ Stroud, a, a hot topic this entire summer has been Stroud. Uh, Kyle McCord, their battle for the QB one spot there at Ohio State. It is official – official official that CJ Stroud will be the starting quarterback for Ohio state on opening day, barring an injury between now and then. Um, So we've already got one person who came on the show and gave us a hot take and this is not going to come true. Sorry, Mr. (laughs) Matthew Bruning. Um, I don't know how much more we can expand upon this, but I think it just, it's locked in now. So I, the CJ Stroud uh, owners can officially stop worrying at least for this year. Um, and I think the the bigger question, again, is the fallout. What happens to Kyle McCord? Is Stroud the starter until he leaves school with Quinn Ewers there? Um, so this this probably creates more questions than answers. But, but again, just something that we now know CJ Stroud is locked in as the guy there on day one.
2: I think it creates more questions than answers for everybody except CJ Stroud. I mean, it's nice. Now we have... It's solidified. He's officially the starter. I don't see him losing that job. Um, I mean, Oregon will be a tough game to open the season, but then to be honest with you, their schedule's not that difficult. I mean, the Big Ten is is solid, but there's nobody in the Big Ten that's going to challenge Ohio State. There's nobody in the Big Ten that has that level of talent all across the board. His wide receiver room is absolutely ridiculous. So I don't see him losing this job i don't see him you know playing poorly enough that they'll need to to replace him at any point i think ohio state's going to be comfortably one of the
1: top four teams again this year and yeah he... okay so their talent advantage where the big 10 is the conference we're breaking down here tonight mm-hmm. the talent advantage is just stupid Ridiculous. like yeah. as, as i was going down the list it's like ohio state ohio state ohio state ohio state at every position
2: yeah yeah so you know now it comes to okay so they're pretty comfortably going to be in the playoff you know and how do they do in the playoff if they do well in the playoff if they win the national title or get to the national title how do you bench cj stroud the year after that i mean you have quinn ewers who you know best quarterback prospect since trevor lawrence based on the rankings but
1: better better it's best since vince young if we're going just solely by the numbers from 24 7 composite
2: fair um excellent recruit We'll, and, you know, I don't, so I don't know how you bench CJ Stroud after a year like that. So that's going to open up some questions about Quinn Ewers' status, but I don't see them turning away from CJ Stroud even going to next year as long as he performs like we expect him to perform.
1: If we have a, a Ewers transfer watch next offseason, just kill me now. <laughs> I really can't talk this about is, this no, job for an entire another offseason.
2: That's, that's all, it's all content for us. Uh, we, we will always have
1: content. Oh, okay. Job fine. security. Fine. If we have to, <laughs> uh, then we will talk about it. All right. Last piece of key news here, guys, before we hit into some of the quick hits. And I think this is an interesting one. I, I didn't realize this. That I had not heard about this. Uh, uh, but this is not like the last day <laughs> or two news has happened. I think this happened a few days ago or like a week or so ago. Um, Jalen McMillan, uh, one of Colin's favorite guys here, uh, uh, second year guy at Washington, recently had surgery on his hand and it sounds like he's going to be out at least to start the season. Um, they had a scrimmage this past weekend, um, uh, which kind of, uh, shook out a couple things. It sounds like Dylan Morris is the QB one there. And, and he got, he looked supposedly very solid at the scrimmage. Um, Patrick O'Brien has been injured. So it sounds like Sam Heward may maybe the QB two there. So that's intriguing news, uh, for Sam Heward, uh, truthers. Um, but now with McMillan out, I think there's some questions as to what that receiving core is going to look like around Morris. Um, so Colin, who benefits the most? Is it, is it Odunze? Is it a tight end Kate Otten? What are we talking here?
2: So I wrote the PAC 12 North preview. Um, and I, so I knew he, I knew McMillan was injured. I did not see that he had surgery. Um, so that obviously is very intriguing. I did not know he was going to be out for the uh, the start of the season here. I'm going to have to go look that up. Uh, I'll have to edit that article before we get that out because that was slated to go out, I think, like tomorrow or, or very, very soon. Um, so I'll have to edit that probably tonight. But, um, I mean, McMillan was drawing some buzz in camp. He was working with the first team there. So that's opening up a role on the first team um definitely stock up for Odunze I think he was a guy and I touch on it in the article I think he's a guy who was underrated as it is because as big of a fan of McMillan as I am um I mean Odunze and McMillan were both freshmen last year they didn't neither of them really did much but Odunze did outproduce him Um, uh, it's like he had six catches I believe and McMillan had one catch and two rush attempts so not a huge sample size but Odunze did outproduce him by a, a little bit there so a stock up for him. Kate Otten, I think, was always going to be probably the leading candidate to lead that room in receptions, probably touchdowns as well, maybe not receiving yards, just the nature of a tight end position. Uh, but now with other with an, a potentially opening role in the starting lineup there, um, I, I think um, Jabaz Tenet, the the freshman that they're bringing in this year, a guy to keep an eye on there. Um, cause they did have a mass like exodus of wide receivers this offseason. Now they brought in a couple other guys. Um, they brought in, um, some from Michigan. Can't remember who it is. Um, it's not Cornelius Johnson. I don't think it was one of those guys. They brought him in. His a guy that would be interested to keep an eye. Oh, Giles Jackson. That's who it was. Um, Giles Jackson. will be a guy to keep an eye on there as well. Although I haven't heard too much about him. Um, but
1: then, you know, I put the answer to this on the show sheet, right?
2: Yes, I'm getting there.
1: OK, OK. Just making sure because you're naming all these guys that I would never roster in a bajillion years. <laughs> you're not going to roster Javaz today I have Tanay in a couple spots, but it's like borderline as to whether he actually needs to be rostered in leagues or not. I have him in a league where we have two 45 man rosters and you can't replicate like a guy on either roster. So the, the pool was, was a little deeper that I had to choose <laughs> from there. Uh, that actually might be the only spot I have him. Fair enough. Uh,
2: but, and then Taj Davis, um, the, the guy that Austin wants me to talk about. Him. There you go. There you go. Taj Davis had a big day at the recent scrimmage, um, going for 12 for 183. So it looks like he may also be in the running there
1: for that wide that opening in the starting lineup. Dylan Moore seems to really like him, and the staff seems to really like him. He's a second-year kid, I believe. He was in the 2019 recruiting class, um, 6'1", 200-ish. Um, not... Super special athletically, but not not a bum in that right either. Um but yeah, I mean 12 for 183. He out he like all those guys by by quite a bit. Um so I, I would suspect that he gets a bump to start off the year. Again, I don't think he's worth rostering unless you're in some weird super deep league or you know, power five only or something like that. But I'd go and click that little star next to him on fan tracks, right? And, and let him sit in that watch list, see see what uh what shakes out there. Right, I think with
2: with the Washington offense, the biggest thing is their pace is so slow; it's hard for them to support a lot of fantasy options. Um, so, I, I, yeah, big I day like, in the scrimmage, but we'll
1: see. I, I like barely want to. I don't want their quarterback. I don't want. I, they're I don't, two. To, they're two top young wide receivers and their tight end are the only guys that I want on yeah. that team. I don't care about the running back really. Yep, and that that's an indictment. I don't care about the quarterback. Like I boring offense I, I hate watching them but they have such a soft schedule this year too that i think that's something to monitor um not that they're going to be rolling teams like 55 to nothing but it's right. it's soft it's really really soft all right guys quick hits here for the night we actually have a bunch of these they're going to 30 seconds to a minute probably on most of these, maybe a little bit longer on some, depending on on what we got going on here. The first one, we we've kind of covered this before, but it seems like it's finally official. They they've said that Raheem Sanders is the RB2 behind Traylon Smith there for Arkansas, and that he should see consistent touches as part of the weekly offensive game plan there. And Smith has been dealing with a toe issue, I believe, this this preseason. So he's a little he's a little banged up. I think if something were to happen to him that Raheem Sanders would take on that starting role what it really sounds like to me
2: yeah that's a uh, it's kind of confirms a little bit what we were expecting with him but again that just kind of solidifies and makes you feel a lot better about where you were drafting him because I know you have him in a lot of places yeah. I have him in a lot of places as well um, he's a guy that I like a lot so it makes you just feel better about
1: where you took him yes yes um, there there's a lesson there find the really big athletes that suit that enroll early and then destroy it in spring those are really good the bets. And they get nicknamed Rocket. Th- those are really good bets, guys. Just <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, next, uh, Joey Gatewood, who we talked about a couple times recently, transferred to UCF. I would have thought he'd learned that he didn't want to play under Gus on the first time, but apparently he is, he is, he he just wants to, wants to go there and be disappointed again. So he is at UCF. Can't play this year, but maybe the guy after um, – uh, What's his name? Gabriel. Gabriel.
2: Thank you. Dylan Gabriel leaves. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I think Gatewood kind of fits what UCF or what Malzahn tries to do with quarterbacks. I mean, he just he likes athletic quarterbacks who run. Uh, I mean, he took a corner and converted him to quarterback in Nick Marshall uh, when he was at Auburn, and they're not bringing in an actual quarterback in next year's class. Um, they're bringing in a run, every, like a player that everybody else wants at running back, and they're going to try to convert him to quarterback. At least that's the way it stands right now. And I cannot remember what his name is, but
1: um, that that kid that literally nobody else is recruiting as a quarterback, yes, <laughs> except yes. for Gus Malzahn, yes, <laughs> who has a <laughs> shitty track record with these guys. Freaking
2: amazing, yes, freaking amazing. <laughs> so because this guy does not actually play quarterback. He's going to take a little bit of time to develop. So I think Gatewood is likely to be the starter there next year. Now, how much we want him, how productive he'll be, I
1: don't know. This is also assuming that Dylan Gabriel leaves, which is not a foregone conclusion right. necessarily. Uh, I believe the other guy's name is, his last name is Castellanos, I believe. Sounds about right. But I do not remember the first name. But yes, I, saw, <laughs> I was talking to somebody. Somebody <laughs> asked me about him and they were like, yeah, no one wants him as a quarterback except for. <laughs> I, was on. I was like oh my god we all know how this is gonna play out okay number three and i think this is a really intriguing story i had heard some whispers about it about a month or so ago but it sounds like brandon thomas who nobody had heard of before a month ago is trending to be the starting running back at memphis this year over a couple of other options um there, there was there were a lot of question marks there and it was pretty unclear he's about five ten, one ninety, I think he's a little heavier than that at this point. He was a former three star recruit in the twenty twenty class, but they've they've said he's looked really good in practice. Um, is he someone that you're rostering now, Colin, or is that just a- another guy you're clicking on that little star beside him? No, I think I would roster him at this point to be honest with you, um
2: assuming he does get the 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 job there as the the running back one there is. I mean, it's not official yet, but it's looking like he will be. But even with Mike Norvell gone, uh, you know, they kept a lot of the, the offensive staff there the same. So I think they're going to run something similar to that. So I do still want the Memphis running back, um, you know, and people were rostering Rodriguez Clark. I have him in a couple places. People were rostering, um, you know, going after J.P. Martin, the freshman coming in this year. Um, Asa Martin as well. Nobody was really going after Brandon Thomas. I wasn't. I like you said. You know, I, I had to Google him
1: a month ago and figure out who he was. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's a guy that I would go after, and he's a prime candidate for people that had Cam Porter. Yes, Who's out for the year with a knee injury now at Northwestern. For um, uh, for people that had uh, Kobe Lewis, mm-hmm. who's at, um, at at Central Michigan, that's out now. Uh, just Lou Nichols there. If you. I think he he might be somebody that you that would be intriguing to you mm-hmm. as, as somebody with a lot of upside there. Yeah. Uh, fourth on the list here, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later here tonight. Tayon Fleet Davis sounds like he is going to be the starting running back at Maryland this year. Um, he is uh, he's been on the roster for a while. He was a class of 2017, so he is an older class of 2016. Um, so he is an older back. Has more experience than Isaiah Jacobs or Penny Boone, who were thought to be the other guys competing there. Um, Waited his turn on the depth chart there for years. They said he's looked really good. So something to monitor because Jake Funk had a really nice, like they only played a couple of games, but statistically he performed pretty well. So I think that the running back at Maryland is intriguing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and um, Fleet Davis is another guy who wasn't really on my radar um, I did think it was going to be either Jacobs or Boone, um, so this is another guy that's very intriguing. Because, like you said, Jake Funk had a nice year last year, seventeen point five fantasy points per game, so you know definitely not a slouch there. Um, uh, you know, so the the off the running back in Maryland can be a productive role. I think he's more somebody that I will click the little star on a put on the watch list. I don't think I'm going to go add him just yet because I'm not convinced that
1: Jacobs and Boone won't have a role as well. He's another one of those guys in that that league where I have to have two completely different rosters that I just drafted in like the (laughs) 42nd round or something because that... uh, At some point, we come to a decision point at some point here. I'm just out of guys, and I'm like, okay, What can I'm i scrambling here. Um, Next on the list, Jerry Bohannon. Sounds like he's going to be the starting quarterback for Baylor. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. I think another guy where you're clicking the star. But unless it's a league where it's very deep or you start a ton of quarterbacks or something like that, I'm not sure how interesting it is. I still think the quarterback I want on that roster is Kyron Drones, the true freshman, just for his stash potential. Like, I don't think I care about Zeno or Bohannon or whoever was going to get that job this year. Um, I was intrigued by Zeno just because of the tools, but yeah, I mean, with
2: Bohannon and getting the starting nod there, I'm, he's not a very good passer. Um, so I'm not really all that interested. I, I don't know how good Baylor's offense will be this year. I think it will. I think getting Jeff Grimes is, is good for that offense, but I think it'll take him a year you know, he'll have to get his guys into that system a little bit or so. Uh, I'm not really all that interested in Bohannon, but in a, in a 24 team league that we have, like, you know, I mean,
1: yeah, I might roster him in that one. I'm surprised that he took the job like he took the starting job. The only year that he's really gotten significant game time was in 2019 where they used him situally situationally. Um, kind of like you know, Tim Tebow at Florida or, or other teams that have oh Will Levis that have kind of <laughs> split that in the past. It, it, 2019, he played in nine games. He had 42 carries for 272 yards and three touchdowns, and then went 17 for 36 as a passer. The yards per attempt was like 5.2. Like I don't think he can effectively push the ball downfield. I don't think he's particularly accurate. So you're really there may be some rushing upside there. Um, but he falls into like the you know, the Sean Chambers, the Um, maybe the Will Levis, we'll see what kind of growth is there, but guys that I, I, I'm not sure what, if I actually want to ever start them at any point, um, next piece of news here, Elijah Arroyo, um, according to, uh, Manny Navarro, who writes, um, at the athletic covering Miami, uh, said that Elijah Arroyo will be the backup to Will Mallory this year. Um, that officially ends any interest in Dominic Mammarelli, who I know was kind of a Debbie, uh, you know, hidden gem favorite over the past couple of years. I think this officially kills the dream there. Um, Elijah Arroyo has looked reportedly really good in camp, and he's up to 235 pounds. So we, we like that, right? We definitely like that because uh, his
2: pass-catching ability and athleticism was never the question. The question was his size. And if he can get up to two thirty-five already, makes me feel good that he can hit two forty before he leaves school, uh, and that's kind of the range, like the the size you're looking at there. And if he can hang on to that athleticism too, uh, that's huge. And Will Mallory's likely to leave after this year, so you know if if Arroyo can just step in there, then he's got two to three years of being the tight end at Miami. And the tight end at Miami is always a very productive role. I mean, Brevin Jordan was the tight end for last year. So very productive role, um, high end uh, recruit to like a a good prospect. So, yeah, I think that Elijah Arroyo is a guy that if you don't have
1: already, I think it's worth going out and seeing if you can't get him. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Miami, three freshman wide receivers, they're calling you three amigos. Might get some run early this year. I would not count on them for any sort of production, but um, something to monitor early in the year. Romello, Brinson, Jacoby George, and Brashard Smith. Uh, they've all uh, flashed at camp this year. Not sh- that the, the passing volume is not really going to be there. I think Mike Harley is the only guy that really produced consistently there. Um, but just three names to, again, click that little star and wait and see if anything shakes out there. And then the last piece of news Juju McDowell, who is a true freshman at South Carolina running back, has been getting like the coaches just cannot stop talking about him. It's a very crowded backfield. I he's not going to play. Again, click the star. Do not roster. He's 5'9, 177, but they've said that he plays much bigger than his size. Um, and, and so he should be an intriguing uh option here. Um, probably not this year. You got Kevin Harris, you've got um Zaquandre White, you've got um um, Marshawn Lloyd. So it, but it might be a four-headed backfield. This might nuke some of those other guys if he's you know getting some touches. Um,
2: yeah, it it could, but I don't know if I'll say it's a four-headed monster. I think it's, uh, I think it's really going to be three. And when Harris gets back, I you know I, I like Lloyd the most out of him talent-wise. So I think he earns and, and solidifies a nice role there, even if he's not you know, maybe as big of a role as we want, he will have a role. Kevin Harris, when he gets back, he's, you know, after his year last year, likely going to be very productive again and have a nice role this year too. So I don't know if I see enough touches going around there, but I think that there's a guy to keep an eye on. I I like the, you know, add to the watch list. Don't actually add him on the roster, but um, I don't know how much of a role I see him having this year,
1: but it's nice to see the hype. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So, this week's cram session features uh, another Pittsburgh guy, which I can I can really appreciate. Uh, we don't live that far apart here. Um, he is over at the Debbie Marketplace, um, and we'll let you talk. He's going to talk a little bit about what else he's got going on this year. But that is going to be Mr. Shane Hallam. All right, guys, we are welcoming in an amazing guest here. Um, I would say definitely one of the best that we've been able to bring onto the pod here in our short time. Um, he is the managing partner of draft countdown, which we are going to talk about a little bit in a moment here. Uh- he also you might know him as a co-host of the Debbie Marketplace with Kane Fasell. and that is Mister Shane Hallam. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time here tonight. Oh,
0: absolutely. I look, I appreciate you guys having me. I enjoy a lot of what you do and listen to a lot of what you do. So it's it's really my pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, we we I mean, you and I play in a bunch of Debbie leagues together, C two C leagues. Uh, I don't know if Collins in any anything with you as well, but I mean, we. <laughs> we interact yeah. probably daily whether it's you know <laughs> just, hey it's your pick or something but but uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to know you a little more here over the past uh, year or so
0: yeah like it's fun i've you know i'm i'm relatively new to c ctc i have played college fantasy before i've played you know Debbie. and uh, last year was my first year jumping in so i feel like this year i have a much, much better handle and i've been listening to uh you you two and others uh, at that ctc and and you know, I feel like I'm getting better. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a ton of fun and been a ton of fun doing these leagues with everyone.
1: I mean, that's why you're always sniping me. I knew, it. <laughs> yeah, I knew you true. were listening. I caught you finally. <laughs> All right, Shane. So I know we, we talked to you. We just mentioned a second ago, draft countdown. This is something that you guys have really been building up to here. Tell us a little bit about it. And when does it go live?
0: So it is one of the oldest NFL draft websites on the internet. Uh, Scott Wright, a good friend, started it in 1997, was on the internet. So this is like AOL days of the internet. Um, and, you know, he, he he's stepping away and doing uh, some other projects. So I'm part of the team. Me and Brian Bassarge are going to be managing partners and bring the NFL draft site back, I think, um, right now. You know, there's a lot of content out there. I think a lot, especially fantasy content, but the NFL draft content's kind of gone down a little bit. I'd even say that you know people really focused a lot on on the the fantasy aspect. So I'm excited to bring that back. And um, you know, we're we're relaunching. uh, You know, we're recording this Sunday night. We relaunch August 23rd at at 10 a.m. So uh, I've been working. We're going to kick off with like 70 articles. I'm going to have a seven round 2022 mock a seven round 2023 mock a three round 2024 mock in rankings positional and big board for all three years so that's uh that's what i've been working on for for months now wow,
1: wow. both of our jaws just <laughs> dropped <laughs> when you just said a full seven round 2023 mock and man. a three round 20 oh my Gosh. man i that that is impressive that's um, incredible i have 70 articles
2: else. too that's where that's where you had my jaw drop first and then it just kept getting lower and lower
0: Look, look i, I counted each positional rank as an article so it just sounds really good though so i just gotta it keep
2: <laughs> still yeah that's I still a it. lot of content uh, right at launch i mean i'm on the site right now you have that nice countdown on timer on there you know it gets the heart racing a little bit
0: yeah I, I look and of course we're gonna we're gonna have the classic Countdown timer to the NFL draft. So we'll be 248 days, uh, 23 hours and counting.
1: But who, But who's counting? Yeah, all right. So nobody, nobody. Somewhere. You just, you just <laughs> happen to know that. <laughs> all right, Shane. So we've been having everybody come on and answer three crucial last minute questions here for us. Uh, one player that you think is going to help their stock the most this year. One player that's going to hurt their stock the most this year. And then your hottest take for the 2021 college football season uh, we started with the player that'll help themselves who you got this is a player that kane and i have
0: talked about a lot on our podcast on debbie marketplace and i'm excited to see him start this year and i think he's going to become um a, a name that is going to be in the first round of the 2023 draft and that's haynes king quarterback at texas a and m I really liked his profile coming out of high school. Thought he had that talent. We knew he would sit one year before behind Kelmond. you know. And, and Haynes King, I think, has a little bit of what you need in the NFL. He has the mobility. He's not, you know, a runner, but he has the mobility. He can, he can probably run for you know a couple hundred yards. Um, has a good arm, and I think is in a system that really works for his skill set. Um, so, you know, a smart player in Haynes King, who I think is going to really has a good structure around him, right? To come in uh, as a redshirt freshman and he has, you know, a high-end running back in Isaiah Spiller. He has, you know, he has talented young receivers, the offensive line is the top guard in the 2022 class, um, a good defense. So I think all those things combined is really going to help him put up some good stats and showcase some of the talent that I think is going to put him up into that Bryce Young, uh, D.J. Wengale category uh, as a quarterback that we're talking about, you know, maybe a guy that can develop into a high-end first-round pick.
2: Yeah, I like Keynes King a lot. Um, I, was, I liked him a lot coming out last year. I thought he was going to a really good situation there too where he could sit behind Mond for a year um, and learn. And I, I think there's some similarities in their game as well. So I think you, you brought up a really nice point. I think he translates to that offense really well. Um, so he's a
1: guy that I think is going to have a nice
2: rise this year as well.
1: I like that. What, um, so I know a lot of people kind of lumped him and Hudson card together last year, Shane, you like King more and, and why, why do you like him a little bit more?
0: I do like him more. I had him rated. I think I I did have him back to back going into college. I had Haynes King one spot above card. Um, you know, I just feel a lot more comfortable with, um, you know, with, with, I don't want to say necessarily King's physical tools, because I think Card maybe has a, a stronger arm. Uh, But I do think that Haynes King in high school had better ball placement. I really thought he had a better understanding of kind of the pocket and pocket presence, and that's tough in high school. I think to, you know, to, to watch that and be like, oh, this guy's, you know, Going to do great in the SEC or the Big Twelve, and then going to do great in the NFL. You know, um, but I yeah, I felt like with what I saw, he he felt it looked very comfortable, very natural for him. Whereas I felt like Hudson Card maybe was like a, a second too late, or you know had some some passes that were a little bit ahead, a little bit behind receivers. So um, it, it's close. And and then I think okay, if we haven't seen either of them really play. Then I look at those situations, and yeah, Texas has their fair share of of, of talents. Um, but and and Steve Sarkeesian going there, but I do think Texas A and M, you know, being you're in that system, and, and like Colin said, kind of that fit. Uh, that's why I I think I like Keynes King, uh, definitely a step more, um, and feel confident in that.
2: Yeah. And son of a coach, too. So he came in pretty like more technically refined than than a lot of other quarterbacks you would see out there. I mean, he's they I've heard people just rave about his work ethic as well.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I'll take that over the alternative uh, when some of some demand, some of his teammates are not exactly getting that praise. So uh, I'll I'll take it.
2: Absolutely. Um, So uh, conversely here, who's somebody you think will hurt their stock the most this year?
0: I think the name that a lot of people have high that I don't, a, I don't really think there's a reason for it is, is John Mechie, the receiver from Alabama. Um, I just, I just don't think he's that good. And I think everyone has seen the Alabama receivers go first round of the NFL and have that progression. They recruit really well. And so I think that's kind of coloring people's, you know, those rose colored glasses are going on for John Mechie. Like he he's had some plays that he's made that I've said, Oh, you know, there there's some talent there. Um, but I think watching a, like a full game, I mean, he just, he just disappears. He, he doesn't get separation consistently. I don't think he's, Maybe as athletic as I would expect from, you know, wide receiver one, a potential top 50 pick in the NFL draft, like some people are pumping for him. Um, And ultimately, I really think the freshmen coming in for Alabama are are really, really good and better than him. And. Does that mean, you know, week 1 we're going to see the him not be uh on the field no? Like he's probably going to start, but are you going to be able to keep uh Guy Hall and Tycori Brooks and JJ, you know, J.J. Whirl off the field? Um Jameson Williams coming. Like there's a there's a lot more players there that I think are close to John Mechie's level, then they're like, Oh, he's the guy. He's going to be Devonta Smith. He's going to get those kind of catches. I like, I don't think that's the case. He's not changing his role from last year. He's playing the same position um, where, you know, it was, which was fairly inconsistent. And, and uh, I just think he's, if if he ends the season as the third best receiver on that team, You know his stock's going to go way down. Like people aren't going to be talking about him as a top fifty pick anymore. Um, You know, maybe being at Alabama, maybe having some athletic ability can still get him drafted. But uh, I ultimately think he's more of a day three pick in the NFL draft, closer to that than round one.
1: So do you do you think he leads them in receiving them this year, or no? Like you don't think that happens?
0: I do not. I think I think I think it'll be
1: close, like because of early production.
0: I think when we. When we go back, you know, when we look at those final numbers, it'll probably look decent. But I think maybe, you know, we look at like the last five weeks or the playoffs, you know, things like that. Um, I think he's going to really fall off once these freshmen get adjusted and show that they have to be on the field because they're better. Um, And honestly, Alabama's offense might not be that great. And if, you know, if they come out of the gate against Miami and struggle a little bit, like changes are going to be made. Alabama can't struggle. So, if, if he doesn't get it done, he's not going to be on the field. And, you know, I, I ultimately think that's going to be the case. So, you know, for these kind of things, you got to go out and win a, a little bit. I think, you know, the, the, he's been there. The odds say he'll, he'll get it. But I, I just don't see a special player like we've seen from Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devonta Smith and, you know, all of these players and Calvin Ridley. I don't think John Mechie's on their level.
2: Yeah. I mean, you brought up a great point. There's a lot of turnover on that offense, um, you know, from last year, there's a lot of production that's gone. So we don't know exactly how well they're going to start out the beginning of the year here. So, and they bring in those three, very, very, very talented wide receivers. Um, Those three wide receivers were three of my top four in this class. You know, I like those guys a lot. So I think, you know, talent wise, yeah, they're, they're probably a step ahead of Mechie there. So
1: I have some questions about his his Debbie
2: potential as well.
1: You guys just conveniently not talking about Christian Leary. Man, he's (laughs) going to make you guys regret that. (laughs) That's a good point. I always forget about him. Everybody does. Everybody does. uh,
0: But the fact that we can talk about six or seven Alabama receivers, you know, is a testament that, like, maybe this will be more of a competition as the year goes on than a lot of people are giving it credit for.
1: Yeah, yeah um i i he struggled a lot at the end of last year he also supposedly had an lower body injury i don't know this is definitely the sink or swim year for him that that is for sure um so shane you've given us you know two two good names here but now we need you to dig deep we need you to give us your hottest bold take for the 2021 season what you got
0: so for college football at large, yeah, I'm, I'm you know we like stack in fantasy, right? You stack your quarterback. I'm going to stack my hot take with with my with my help stock, right? So if like if Hanks King stock goes up, then I think Texas A&M goes undefeated uh, and loses in the national title game to Oklahoma. That's my hot take. I think Texas A&M wins the SEC this year, uh, not Alabama. And that's that's hot take I, I guess I didn't mean to go like all SEC for these uh the this, this show but I did uh, but I you know I think most people think Alabama's gonna walk in they have a really good defense like uh, it's gonna be tough but I think I man I think am um you know w- when I was doing the stuff for draft countdown a lot of times I was putting you know the top player in my positional rankings and it was like am m Alabama Alabama A&M. like you know these teams match up, and I think AM has a lot of defensive talent as well, has really good off- offensive line talent. I think that's going to be the game. And um, I think AM beats them, and I think AM makes it to the national championship.
2: Man, I, that's bold. I like it. Um, I mean, because everybody just automatically assumes it's Alabama every year. Um, I like Georgia a lot this year, too. So I think Georgia on the east side will, can give them a bit of a run, but. Um, yeah, I mean, all the turnover on Alabama, you know, it's it's not going to make it easy for them offensively. And that's the type of game where Texas A&M is actually probably better positioned than, um, than, than Alabama would be because their offense doesn't need to carry them. Um, not that Alabama's does either, but lately Alabama's offenses has been a lot more explosive. So if they do have a step back uh, you know, how are they going to adjust? Whereas Texas A&M's offenses have been a little bit slower, a little bit more grinded out, but they've been able to be successful doing that.
0: I think it's just really interesting. Uh, as you said, you know, a ms bringing back a lot of the, these, this high-intended. Marvin Leal's probably the top defensive lineman um, for next year in terms of interior D-line and like Alabama's going to have maybe two first round linebackers. So, so like, I think that's there, but um you know, when I look at Alabama's secondary is where I really have questions. I, you know, I, I think when we saw Matt Crow and Mississippi do what they did to them um, and expose some weakness, I don't, I, you know, I think Malachi Moore is excellent. I think after that, I do think Alabama's weak in the back end, whereas, you know, I think Texas A&M has, um, you know, has some high end corners. So I think that's going to be a way uh, to do it. You know, Know, and and maybe a guy like haynes king probably is going to have to lead that charge uh so if, I, if i'm putting my my money in, in his bank like we might as well just just take it all the way
1: so I... for heisman
0: <laughs> yeah 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 let's do it
1: triple D. we've had worse hot takes on this so, <laughs> um, <laughs> someone predicted kyle mccord to win the heisman i bet you can guess who that was His uh, his dad might as well so i i you hit a hot take in that hot take that i feel like colin did not ask you about so it, oklahoma over like clemson or alabama or ohio state or whoever then too. that that's your second team there
0: yeah i, th- I think oklahoma wins it all I, I i think that offense is gonna be something else this year like i i think with with, with eric gray and kennedy brooks i think rattler Assuming Rattler develops, I think he has to get better. Um, you know, I think they, they have one of the best offensive tackles in college football. Um, the defense is gonna be much improved and they have just a bevy of receivers. Like I I think Oklahoma is and they I think they have something to prove after this offseason and moving to the SEC and people, you know, the Big 12 is gonna be out to get them like so, uh, yeah, it's probably too hot takey, right, to like not have Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama in the national t- championship, but um, a-, a guy can dream to have a little bit of parity in-, in college football.
1: Well, he gave us two for the price of one, so yeah, I can we'll I can appreciate it. that two takes there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you so much again for coming on here with us, Shane. You know, fellow Pittsburgh guy, uh, I appreciate you hopping on here with us. Um, again, guys, if you have not checked out Debbie Marketplace, the podcast, they have a Patreon as well. Uh, go check both of those out. Uh, go check out Draft Countdown. Um, anything else uh, you want to leave for the people here, Shane? Before we let you go,
0: no, just uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam, and if you um, you know, let me know what you think about Draft Countdown, and and I uh, hope hope people like it. Hope people check it out. I appreciate you both having me. I love love the show, and I love uh, everything that all of you are doing. So um, it's it's a, yeah, it's been it's been awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I I look forward to our many showdowns throughout this year uh, across our many leagues together. Shane Hallam, again, thank you so much. Uh, And now on to the rest of the show. Oh, that was great having Shane on here. Um, You know, us Pittsburgh guys stick together. Um, And he gave us a nice, very SEC-centric predictions here, which would have been really nice, like three episodes from now. But um, <laughs> when we do the SEC, uh, but some interesting ones, especially Mechie there, because we had uh, John Lobb said he thought Mechie helps himself the most this year. Right. Yeah, I I love when we have two really smart people on like John Lobb
2: and like Shane Hallam uh, who disagree about something and then they bring both sides of it. I I think that's fantastic. Like, I love when they do that. Um, like who do we have on? Um, I think it was Alfred and. Um, Corey, Pete, both talked Chris Alave. So uh, I, I really like when we have two guys on, they disagree, both very smart, bring the analysis here, and it presents both sides of the opinion.
1: Yeah, and it kind of, pre- it shows you how even amongst, you know, just, you know, people that are good at this, that have been doing this for a long time, there is no 100% hit rate, because guess what? One of those two guys is going to be wrong on on John Mechie, right. you know, whichever way it ends up. There, there's really not a path there where both of them are correct. So it just shows you how, Um, in the end, how subjective some of this can be and how nobody's batting 100%.
2: Yeah, I also take it to something um, uh, from Matthew Barry's articles that he does uh, at the beginning of every year is 100 predictions or 100 facts article or whatever. Um, So something I've always taken away from that every year is you can talk up or talk down any player if you have the right stats and if you frame it the right way. Um, not saying you know, not saying that that's what either of them did, you know, but I'm saying you can, there's always two sides to a player here.
1: Yeah, no, there definitely is. Uh, I think it's something for all of us to keep in mind here, mm-hmm. especially as we enter, um, the beginning of the season, which kicks off in one week. Yay. Woo! Cool. All right, guys. So let's hop into the big 10 here. Um, kind of a one horse race. We think probably this year with Ohio state's some other teams that are lurking, but I, I don't see a, a real challenge here. And it's kind of like when we did the ACC a few days ago, there are a lot of names here and a lot of them were on Clemson. And this time, a lot of them are on Ohio State. Um, but, but a lot of talent at every position except for quarterback must have quarterbacks are really rare in this league um, or in this conference. It's funny. Cause I think there might be like three must have quarterbacks in reality. And they're all at Ohio state right now. So yeah. we on, we only put the one down here in this category for tonight, but the three, the only three quarterbacks that I've and from this, this conference that I feel like I would really want to have on a roster are Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, and then CJ Stroud, who, who is the guy here, um, stepping right in for Justin Fields, who was the QB four last year on a per game basis. Um, Stroud had that really long, that 60 plus yard touchdown run. And then other than that, not a whole lot of action for him to see. Um, How do you think he's a top uh, Do you think he's a QB one this year for fantasy?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think there's a very good possibility that he could end up being a QB one for fantasy. I mean, we've seen it from really from whoever has been the quarterback there at Ohio State. They've all been very productive. So I think regardless of what you think about Stroud from a pro perspective, I think he's going to be a very, very good college producer at quarterback, especially given that stable of wide receivers that they have. I mean, that room is the deepest room in the country. I mean, it's ridiculous. They can go three deep at, at each wide receiver position and still put out better players than pretty much anybody else in the Big Ten, especially. So given how deep that is, given the way the offense typically runs, uh, yeah, I think CJ Stroud, if he's not a QB one, will be a very, very high
1: end QB two. But I see more of a QB one. I'm wondering if this quarterback room can approach that Bama quarterback room from what was it, 2018, when two Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones were all there, I believe was the year because um, mm-hmm. you, you see those pictures of all of them kind of together. And now, obviously, all at least you know starting or, or near starting quarterbacks in the NFL uh, I, I do wonder if Ohio State can can get to that level as well. Um, like I said, that's the only must-have quarterback in the league, though. We have a lot of names under the the maybe we want uh, coming up here in a little bit. Uh, must-have running backs. Uh, quite a few. It, it's a pretty nice conference for running backs. It's funny. The best running back in the conference, or the, con- the one that I want the most, might not play that much this year, but it's Travion Henderson at Ohio State. Um, he's, he's probably going to split time, and I don't think he'll ever – totally lock up the job this season um, with Mayan Williams and Master Teague and some other guys there. But but he's he, is he the top RB in the conference for you as well, even though he hasn't touched the field yet? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And uh, I, I know he hasn't touched the field yet. And there's a
2: lot of risk in taking a player that high. I mean, he goes at ADP of 12. So very, very end of the first round. So there's a lot of risk in taking a guy that high. Um, And, you know, people have kind of questioned, is this a little bit reactionary based on where we had Bijan last year and not having him high enough? Now are we overcorrecting? I think it's a very valid question, but I think Travion Henderson is by far and away the most talented running back in this running back class in the class of 2020, incoming freshman class of 2021. Um, So, yes. Yes. I think he is by far the most, like the, the by far the most valuable running back in Ohio or in the Big Ten. Uh, because even if he doesn't necessarily start off the season this year, he's just too talented for them to keep off the field. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of of Master Teague. I know Felix likes mine Williams a lot. He's fine, but neither of them are near the talent that uh, that Travion Henderson is.
1: No. um, And Ryan day does not have a problem playing the best player. Right. Um, that is one thing I will say about him. He will always like um, urban Meyer would kind of stick with a guy because they had seniority and he liked them. That's kind of what he did to JK Dobbins there with what Mike Weber. Yeah. His last year there. Um, Ryan day won't do that. He'll give the snaps and the touches to whoever the best guy is. Um, And I still, I, I still don't think Henderson, you know, officially takes that job and makes it his this year, but. He there's good. He's going to he's going to follow the Bijan track. And by the end of the year, I think we, we view him as a very high end guy. Um, Noah Kane at Penn State. I know we're probably both slightly higher on than a lot of other places are. Um, I don't know. That might be a, a, a nice kind of rotation of backs there. I'm not really sure exactly, um, but he was supposed to be the guy last year and then got hurt on his first series of the season was out for the rest of the year. Um, so we didn't get to see any of him last year, but he, he's the best back at Penn state right over Kevon Lee, Kaziah Holmes, Devin Ford, John Lovett, the transfer in from, from Baylor. He's better than all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel pretty comfortable in saying he's the best running
2: back in that room. Um, Kavon Lee performed admirably last year as a true freshman, but he's kind of more of a battering Ram doesn't really have a lot of lateral agility, um, Kaziah Holmes is I've said before, he's a guy who definitely intrigues me as somebody who was like an all purpose back and has now put on the weight in that Penn State weight room to get up to a level where you feel good about it. So I'll be interested to see how he looks this year, but there hasn't been a ton of buzz about him um, coming out of Penn State right now. So I don't feel overly optimistic that he sees any sort of an early season role anyway. So You know, all things said there, I think Kane is the guy who's going to lead that backfield. He was expected to do it last year, got hurt, um, didn't do it in the spring because he didn't play. And
1: he's back and he's now leading that room there. Um, So I actually was listening today. I I had to work a bunch today, so I was listening to a bunch of um, the 24-7 Penn State Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, the, like, just, just anything I, because I, I, I'm in some IDP leagues and I think their defense is moderately interesting for that. Um, and then, you know, who's, who's That's the third wide receiver there Penn state for you. Um, is Theo Johnson going to be good? I'm just going to ignore that statement. <laughs> um, and, and so I was listening and they said, because Holmes homes is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Which kind of surprises me a little bit because he gained all that weight and he was a really highly ranked all-purpose back. I was like, if there was a guy that could kind of flash and, and take on a role, it would be Kaziah Holmes. But it sounds like Love it's ahead of him. It's like they're saying he's the RB five on the list, yeah. and that's not great for a lot of guys that like no one has to leave this year, and Kane's the only guy that can leave this year. Love it can leave this year as well. He's a he's a grad transfer, you know. Oh well, yeah, an old transfer, but so. That, that's not great. And then they have Singleton coming in next year and, and Katron Allen. Yeah. So um, his days might be numbered there. He might have to transfer out. Um, Tyler Goodson. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about him here next. He has an ADP around 96 this past month uh, running back at Iowa. He was RB 38 on average last year. Um, I like Goodson. I just I, I, I watched I like really sat down and broke him down a couple months ago and just walked away like not that impressed like he's kind of. Like style, I'm not saying like stylistically or anything, but I think he's going to be like the Jamar Jefferson of this class that people really like, and then he goes super, super late, and then it's just the dream's kind of over. Goodson strikes me as that guy from this class. Yeah,
2: I, I, I could see that. Um, but I, I think he's going to be productive this year from a fan- fantasy perspective. You know, um, th- RB38 last year, that's definitely startable. Um, I think, I think he could even outperform that this year as well. Uh, you know, a, after a, just a weird year all around, um, and they lose Amir Smith-Marset at wide receiver, who was their like their real dominant, like wide receiver option there. Um, you know, they don't really have anybody else to funnel the pass game through or anything like that. So I think they'll probably lean on the running game a little bit more, but, um, Goodson also is a good receiving back, um, 24 catches in his freshman year. Uh, 15 catches through eight games last year, so he gets some receiving work there. So I think they could even you know throw him the ball maybe a little bit more this year as well. So I think he'll have a really nice fantasy year. Um, from an NFL perspective, he'll get drafted, so it's something you like to see there at least. You know, he'll have a shot in the NFL, but I, I could definitely see that being a Jamar Jefferson type situation.
1: Yeah, his some of his problems, you know, he's not 200 pounds according to Iowa. He's listed at 199, um, which you know is close, but they're listening with that. He might be a little bit lighter than that. You never really know what some of these colleges. Um, he's not an overwhelmingly great athlete for a guy that's slightly undersized. Um, and then the other piece is just like I, the vision is very spotty. It's inconsistent. It kind of comes and goes. Um, so, so he's not a guy that I'm necessarily banking on for this year. Um, Mo Ibrahim, who will probably be the RB1 in college this year. Or if It's going to be between him and Brees Hall. He was RB2 last year, averaged almost 30 points a game. We talked a little bit about this before. Uh, 15 touchdowns in seven games. So I think he can hit close to 20 in 12, if not more than that, especially with all the injuries they have there. Uh, you know, the, the wide receiver core, they lose Bateman, he's gone, and now Otman Bell has the ankle injury. So um, Ibrahim, he's going to have to carry some load here early in the year. Yeah. And I think he'll, I think he'll do that too.
2: Um, He's really carried the load there since his, since his freshman year, Um, you went 1160 yards and nine touchdowns as a freshman. Um, So, you know, that was through 10 games. I think, you know, he only went through seven last year, but I I very, very easily see 1200 yards, maybe 1300 rushing yards. Um, doesn't get a lot of work in the past game though. So in PPR leagues, it dings him a little bit. So that's why I think Brees Hall will probably end up the RB one, but Mo Ibrahim, definitely a candidate for it. And definitely will end up in, inside the RB inside the top five RBs barring injury. So, uh, big time college producer there don't know that I see much of an NFL future though. He's more of a bad Aaron Ram. And like I said, not much
1: receiving production. Yeah, he's a late d- day three guy, in my opinion. A um, couple other backs here Jalen Berger at Wisconsin. Um, RB117 last year never really took that job, but it sounds like it should be his this year with a couple other bodies there. Um, Chaz Malusi, and I feel uh, I forget who the other guy is that they have rotating in. Um, you know, and then they have Nikki Bray- Watson transferred out. Yeah, he's at Washington state. They have Braylon Allen, but I think, I think it's a year too early on Braylon Allen still guys. Um, so it might be two years early cause I, I don't know if he used serps Jalen Berger or not. Um, so he, he's kind of a guy that I'm, I'm avoiding a little bit at ADP. Um, I'm trying to look up real quick to see what his ADP is. Um, cause it's not in, in, um, it was 51 in July. So that's, that's a little high. Um, uh, compared to some other guys there, he's sandwiched right between Marshawn Lloydens, Mere White, freshman, Rush again, and uh, Gabe Irvin, my most rostered player across all of my leagues. Um, I I really like Irvin. I I kind of like Edwards the player. I'm just not sure that he'll ever be a big time college producer. You know they have Hassan uh, Haskins there right now plus Blake Corum and it sounds like Haskins starting the year at the starter and quorum's going to figure in as well and maybe Edwards does something by the end of the year I'm, I'm not too sure there
2: yeah that's just a tough situation and it's hard to rely on michigan to really develop talent you know, based on the track record of the past couple of years um, so and especially in terms of college production you know they they really have not had a high end fantasy option there for the past several years um, you know even when donovan's people's jones was there um, you know, who's, who's making some noise here in the NFL now, you know, he didn't really do a whole lot in college. So it's hard to trust Michigan to develop guys there. And then given they're leaning towards Hassan Haskins this year too, to, um, to, st- to start out, at least it's hard to trust that there too. So Donovan Edwards is a guy that I like as a talent, like you said, but he's not somebody that I have on any of rosters anywhere. He was
1: just going a little too early for me. Uh, yeah, agreed. I actually don't have I don't have a single Donovan Edwards. Um, j- just a little bit too early. I could really regret that a year from now. That's a very um, but just was yeah. He, uh, he was I was never in the range where he, I was really considering him, and he was gone by the time it would always come back to me. Um, and then Irvin, like I I don't think he takes. He's not startable this year unless they have, suffer a rash of injuries there. He's just really good. He's so smooth. He's a really good athlete. He's got the requisite size now. Um, I know they had him listed like 190, but I think he's up over 210, if I remember correctly at this point. Um, I just like him. I, I really, really like him. And I don't think Frost is going to hold him back because I don't think Frost is going to be there anymore. I'll be interested to see who the head coach is. But I I, I, I can't get enough Gabe Urban, to be completely honest. I have, I have him in 9 out of 11 leagues, and it's really 9 out of 10 because that one league, again – I can't I can't roster him twice between the two rosters, so I had to make a decision. Um, So really, I have him in ninety percent of the places that he was available uh, for me to go get. I just I'm all in. I'm all in. I've not. He's the only guy that like I'm close to that level of exposure to.
2: The value there was really good too. So that's
1: what really helps, Um, especially before you and Alfred really got on hyping him up. It was Alfred Um, put his name first. Alfred is the one that that said, "Hey, go watch this kid," and and he was right. Yeah. um, Yeah. Before you guys started hyping him up. I mean, his ADP was,
2: you know, very, very low um, and it was still within a good range. I just don't happen to have very much of him because surprise, surprise, we are in a lot of leagues together and you have him in 90% of leagues that you're in. So naturally I do not have him. I think I have him in one spot and it's not a league we're in together.
1: I was going to say, is that the one league? I'll no. fight you for him. <laughs> <laughs> I will drive to Lancaster right now, and I will find you. Um, you you'll, You. If it is that league, which I don't think it is, but you will pry him from my cold dead fingers. Oh, uh, fine. Um, yeah, he he's had an ADP in July of one hundred and fifty-eight, um, and like some of the other running backs that are going around him, Byron Cardwell, Rashad White, Jarek Broussard. Um, who's this next guy kennedy brooks jocavius marks caleb hood is there like i i would have Irvin over all those guys by by a fairly decent margin he really just is the guy that stands out in that range ty chandler cameron people sean tucker roydell williams like he just like he you look at that list and he just stands out for me do you have a, what his adp was earlier in the off season because i yeah. think has a
2: significant rise if I, yeah. if I had to bet i have like he was probably in like the 300 range
1: gabe Irvin, where are you buddy No. So he has been once he was 178 in February and he hasn't been 178, 160, 172, 141, 141. How many of those drafts did you take him in? probably all of them like i i like i said i have them in nine out of ten and i i i participate in i think a healthy to, dose of...
2: all right jarek if you're listening to this we need to get this adp data but we need to sort austin out of it and see what his adp is sans
1: austin well wally wally and irvin just wouldn't have an adp then they would just <laughs> wouldn't would be non-existent because oh, i those are just my two guys man i just i, I really really like both of them um Okay, so that wraps up. running. Must have running backs there. There's a lot of wide receivers, too. And we're kind of going to bunch some of these together just for ease of talking about them and just not be here for three hours as much as I'd like to be up past midnight here. Um Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave at, at Ohio State. I think we can group those two together. They were both basically wide receiver twos last year. You know, Wilson on a per-game basis was wide receiver 25, and Olave was wide receiver 13. I... I I don't. I I I kind of suspect those numbers might flip this year. I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I just suspect that that Wilson kind of becomes the guy. It's a new quarterback. It's not Fields there. They they play in very interchangeable roles, though. They're both very versatile players. I saw somebody comparing Chris Olave to Dante Pettis today, and I think that's that was not a very intelligent uh, comparison, except for the fact that they're the same size. Down to the pound and you know inch <laughs> height wise, but like I, I just, he, Alave has a very well rounded skill set. He can beat you deep. He can win short. He can win intermediate. He can win inside. He can win outside. He can you know he he's great along the sideline. He's great across the middle. Um, he's great in the red zone. He can he can get open there for a guy that's not you know six, he's six six foot 186 or something. I think he's he has a very well-rounded skill set. I have a hard time ever seeing him as a true wide receiver one in the NFL, but I think we could see a, a like Robert Woods-esque type dynasty value. And I know Woods has like touched wide receiver one a couple of times, so spare me the, <laughs> the technicalities, but you guys know what I mean. I don't think he'll ever hit that upper echelon, but he can be firmly in that second group for a very long time.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that it's likely to flip in college their, their production this year, but I will say, I don't know if I see either of those guys getting quite that high because of some of the other guys we'll talk about a little bit later. I, I, I like a I like Wilson. I think they're both very good players um, and I think they will be productive this year, but there's just so many mouths to feed in that offense that if a defense tries to take one guy away, like it, you just go to the other guy. Like they can just go wherever they want. They can just throw to whoever is open. Um, you know, maybe Alave ends up being kind of like the go-to guy if there is a situation where Ohio State's in crunch time. But I don't know if there will be um, based on the schedule that they play in the regular season. Maybe it'll come in the playoffs. But yeah, I'm I'm with you there as far as Alave probably never being a wide receiver one now. I, the only thing, the only caveat I'll say with that is how many people would have expected Justin Jefferson to be a wide receiver one. I'm not comparing
1: them. You, me, me, you, you, me, (laughs) me, you, you, me, that we both, we both had him very highly rated last year. Correct. Yes, yes. we did. Yes,
2: we did. I I will be honest. I didn't know if I would, I didn't know if I would see him as a wide receiver one in the uh, like for fantasy purposes in an NFL offense. Um, That was even higher than what I was projecting him for. So, wow, that's soft. (laughs) um so so the only thing i'll say is you know I'm not ready to write a lave off on that in in general but i do think it's
1: not as likely um wilson has has some Stefan on digs to his game I, like I, I, I i he grows on me every time i kind of sit down and watch ohio State's offense a little bit and I haven't done like i think i have a report on him but it's, it's a it's a little old and I i'm excited to dig into him after this year I will i will push back a little bit because you just said that you think that CJ Stroud can be a quarterback one? Mm-hmm. So if he is, then I th- you know I, I don't buy the mouths to argument. I think those two guys still get fed the most, and then JSN has a nice amount of targets, and then there's a huge drop off after those three. I think that's that that's kind of going to be how the targets are distributed this year.
2: I think they're going to run
1: kind of like what Matt has
2: talked about. They're going to kind of run hockey shifts with some of these guys. I think you know they'll have. Those top three wide receivers out there, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr., I think Emeka Egbuka, even Julian Fleming, doing a certain extent. I think those guys are going to get a good amount of time this year. So yes, I think Chris or I think CJ Stroud can be a QB one, but I don't know if I see these wide receivers. I think you know wide res- lower end wide receiver twos um, for Wilson and Olave, and then maybe a high end wide receiver three for JSN. I mean, JSN last year only had ten catches through seven games. He's going to have a much more significant role there.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and you Rucker know, too. You Rucker know my Robson love for catches. JSN. I mean, Rucker. Like, what does he average per? I have I, we have his stats. It's it's actually lower than what you think it is. Oh no, it's not because I think it's super low. <laughs> like, what is he had like twelve catches a year or something? Like he they just don't use the tight end in the passing game at all. Um, where the hell is our tight ends here? There they are. Uh, Ruckert has had one catch, fourteen catches, thirteen catches. So I, I almost <laughs> hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, they just don't use the tight end at all, and the running backs get a little bit of work. And I think Trey Henderson will be the guy that gets a lot of those receptions. I think like that's his role early in the year because they've said he looks really good yeah. as a receiver. And Maybe he prior, and he looked really. I, I don't think Pryor ever plays any meaningful snaps at Probably Ohio not. State. He transfers I'm hoping.
2: Out. I'm hoping.
1: Um, uh, cause they have another, I mean, they don't have any like super highly rated kids, but they have like Dallin Hayden who coming in next year, who a lot of people really like. Um, I think he's okay. I think it possibly has an NFL future. Um, but yeah, I mean, it they, they just, it's Ohio state, man. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it's tough to get on a the field there. Um, yeah. you really have to be the best of the best. So the two freshman guys there, then in that room, Marvin Harrison and Mecca Buka, you, do you still have a Mecca higher than Harrison? You sticking to your guns there? I mean, they both sound like they did great, and you had him above him to start right. off with, so I don't necessarily see a reason for you to do that. I'm just curious if right. if you have shifted that. No, I do still have Egbuka ahead of
2: Harrison, but Harrison Jr. is definitely, definitely um, shrunk the gap there. But if they weren't both getting a lot of positive buzz from camp, then I would definitely have to reconsider that. But because they are both getting a lot of buzz, and then Harrison Jr. is getting a little bit more, but Egbuka is getting his fair share um you know so i think that i think it's safe to keep them where i had them originally um now during the year this year will obviously be very telling like once they get on the field you know you can kind of wipe off some of the uh you know the the pre-freshman buzz that you had you know like the before the class really got in there you can kind of wipe some of that away once they actually get on the field and you, you you see them interact in a college offense um so i'm not ruling out flipping them at any point but for right now yes i do
1: have a ahead of harrison still i don't think even if even if harrison out you know in air quotes a mecca Buka this year i still don't think you have to flip them unless it's like a book is not getting on the field at all and harrison right, is like the fourth guy like that's the only right. like I, that's what i mean i i think there's still a situation where if you have those two you know in that order now then that's fine i have harrison at this point i think my rankings um, the, the ranking update will probably go up next weekend here. Um, and I've since updated them since they're on the site. So I'm just going to go with what I have in front of me currently and not what's on there. Um, I have uh Marvin Harrison jr. Is my wide receiver 20 in all of college football. And he is my wide receiver three in a freshman class, I believe at this point behind hall Earl. And then it's Harrison. He's right above Chakori Brooks for me. And then I have a buka 29. So not, not that much of a difference. Um, in, in not in the spots. freshman class.
2: No, just okay.
1: total uh, in the freshman class. It's three, four, uh, Troy Franklin five, Ekbuca is six at this point in okay. the freshman class. Um, so and yeah, so that that that's pretty solid. I think I had him nine or or, or eight or something. So like he he's bumped up a couple spots, but not um, not like Harrison has. Um, right. I, I'm just in love with him at this point. Um, Two guys at Penn State, Parker Washington, true freshman last year, um, 36 passes, 489 yards, six touchdowns, uh, you know, uh, not a huge guy, but he's over 200 pounds, which is awesome. And then Jahan Dotson, uh, the senior guy there, 52 catches, 884 yards, eight touchdowns last year, wide receiver 20 on a team that couldn't pass for shit. So I think that's actually an incredible statistical feat for him to do with how poor the quarterback play was there he was pretty good last year um and, and i i like i i he's he's wide receiver 31 for me in, in my total rankings i i like him a lot
2: yeah yeah i like dotson too um i like washington a little bit better um overall but i like them both i think that passing offense will be better this year uh it's hard to be worse one two i like the impact that i think yurch is gonna have um But I still don't love Sean Clifford. So if you're talking about production for just this year, I think Dotson is still going to outproduce Washington this year. But yeah, I I don't know how... uh, Parker Washington last year was the wide receiver 108. Uh, I averaged 11.4 fantasy points per game. I think that'll improve but I don't know how high it'll get. I probably am not comfortable starting Parker Washington on a week to week basis.
1: I I think I'm higher. I think he can be a startable wide receiver in leagues where you know you start you know two or three wide receivers and have three flex spots or whatever. You okay. know, that, that's yeah, that's pretty flex. that's pretty common and I think I would be more than happy in, in those kinds of leagues and think I have a lot of Parker Washington um and I would pr- I think I'm going to be comfortable starting him through most of the year. I know they have kind of a tough schedule, but the thing about them is they don't have a clear wide receiver behind them, as we're going to talk about here in a right. few minutes. Um, and I, I was listening to that, those 24-7 pods today, and they were kind of trying to to flesh that out a little bit, and I don't think even they really came to a conclusion. I think the conclusion is you want the top two, mm-hmm. and then it's a guessing game about who comes in after that. Um, so Rakeem Jarrett at Maryland is the next guy here. Um didn't you know wide receiver 170 last year but he had that huge game um who was that against you know who it was (laughs) you know who it was i i do know who it was it was penn state yeah (laughs) gobrakeem jarrett uh became my favorite player ever when he torched them last year i think that was just a sign of things to come obviously not going to go for two hundo and and two or three every week but um it's coming Rakeem Jarrett is coming. If you're, you know, it, winter is coming. Winter <laughs> equals Rakeem Jarrett. Um, he he is going to inevitably crush this year.
2: Yeah, I like Rakeem Jarrett a lot. Uh, and I think that that Maryland offense is going to run through him uh, and and Talia for the most part. I mean, we'll touch on two other guys later there that I think will definitely have a role. Uh, but I think it's Rakeem Jarrett time. Um, and their running back situation is kind of up in the air. Like I don't love those guys. Like again, like we'll talk about it a little bit later. But uh yeah,
1: it's it's Rakeem Jarrett season. Yeah, it, it definitely is. David Bell at Purdue, wide receiver eight last year. Um, he's a first round pick in CFF drafts. He's a borderline first second round pick in C2C startups. Um he should, as long as he's healthy. We've already seen what happens when they, there's no Rondale there. We, we've seen that picture before. As a true freshman, he caught 86 passes for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. Without without Rondale there, you got to figure he's improved himself. That that's the baseline for him this year is probably that 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 freshman stat line. So, and even last year, like in six games, he was on pace to do better than that. He, in six games, he had 53 for 625 and eight. And that was with Rondale there for half of it or a little more. I think Ronda played four games, maybe. I, I think I so. could be wrong, Um, but so he should. Uh, my my all, my big hang up on him has never been that he's going to produce in college. My big hang up on him is that I'm just not super high on him as an NFL guy, uh, at, at least as high as some as, as high as you are. For instance, I think you like him more as an NFL prospect than I do.
2: Yeah, I he is my wide receiver one in that class right now. Um, Still, I, I like him a lot. Um, like we've talked about a couple of times before, he doesn't really do anything elite except for, I think like body control. Um, I think he has a, a like very, very good body control, um, but he's not, he's not a high end athlete. I don't necessarily think you need to be given some of these other guys that we're seeing do it at the NFL level. Dante Adams, um, Keenan Allen, Deandre Hopkins wasn't even that high end like that. He didn't, Deandre Hopkins didn't tear up the combine or anything like that. So um But I think technically, he is a very, very solid wide receiver. And like I said, I love his body control too. As well, I, he just always finds a way to make a catch through contact. It's 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 always impressive.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Like the only elite thing he does is is his body control. You know who he – like, he's slightly bigger than this player, but stylistically who I kind of compare him to, and I, he'll get better draft capital by by a, a decent amount, but he reminds me a lot of Tylen Wallace, like a guy that I'm not sure – like, he can win this way in college, and they win kind of similarly, you know, mostly boundary, mostly downfield, mostly contested catch. I'm not sh- sure – we need, I need to see growth in other areas from him. And I'm not saying that that's the only way he wins. You know, I know that sometimes they feed him a little underneath, but overwhelmingly, if you're watching Purdue, they were working Rondale underneath and then they were working, um, David Bell deeper. That was just the roles they played. And I don't see them shifting his role that much this year. I like, I don't think Purdue is going to do any favors in that regard. So it's a lot of projection for him. We'll see if he can do it. But I mean, six, two, two Oh five, 205 uh, for what it's worth, I don't necessarily believe he's that tall. Um, we'll see when they weigh in at the combine, what he actually weighs in at. I know I have Mr. Conspiracy Theory over here with the heights <laughs> and weights, but I, that's just the kind of when I watch him. I, I don't think he looks that big. A um, couple more, two more names here, guys that are basically CFF probably. Well, I don't want to I don't wanna do my guy Chris Amon Bell like that, but I... <laughs> the ankle injury this year is concerning for his overall draft stock. Um, but Ottman Bell and then Ty Fryfogle at Indiana, uh, two guys that I'm not sure exactly where they go in the NFL draft. I really like Ottman Bell, and I think Fry is a solid college player. Um, but I, I still think they're probably must-haves or guys that I would really like on my college rosters.
2: Yeah, they're definitely guys I want on my college rosters. Um, Ty Fry I think he's – I've seen some people in NFL circles like him. He typically gets into like the top 10 wide receivers in the class. If the NFL really feels that way, he's going to get solid draft capital. I still don't necessarily know if I see it at an NFL level with him, but you know, that's definitely something to consider. Uh, But with Chris Ottman bell pre-ankle injury, like I was definitely on board. I'm still on board here, but you know, he's, he's not as, appealing anymore because I thought he was going to have a huge year here in college. And, uh, he still very well might, but it's probably going to be delayed. Uh, it'll, you'll have to look at him more on a per game basis by the end of the year. I think he'll be okay in the NFL too. I think he'll get drafted. He'll have a role. Uh, but I don't know how valuable he'll ever be for your NFL fantasy side. So, um, both of these guys are guys that are kind of, they're, they're fine. Um, I like Ottman bell, but like I said, that ankle injury hurts his appeal.
1: Yeah. Um, tight ends. There's two of them that I put down as must haves here. And I think the tight ends in this conference, like you can kind of put them in some different orders, but the only two that I'm really itching to have on my teams are Theo Johnson, who is just an athletic freak at Penn state. And I, I generally trust Penn state to do something with those guys, especially at, you know, a tight end, they have a very good track record over the past several years with, you know, Gasecki and Friar Muth and, um, who was before Gasecki? There was somebody else, Jesse too. James. Yeah, Jesse James. So I mean, um, quite a few guys that they've cranked out recently. And Thomas Fadone, I put as a must-have in Nebraska. His value has really slid because of the knee injury. And this is what I was kind of talking about a little bit earlier, and what I tweeted out today. Like the stash value. Like if you like that is a guy that I'm fine putting on my IR for the year. That doesn't bother me at all. I think he's going to be really good at Nebraska. Um, and so like you guys fading him for the knee injury, like please continue to fade him so I can keep getting him at a, a really nice value.
2: Yeah. I, like you said, it that's one of the big advantages you can find is just being a year early on guys. Um, Because with a C2C roster, it's 45 man rosters. You know, those are deep, deep leagues. Now, you do have to you know you have more bye weeks you know there's different matchups that you have to play so you do have to have more startable guys but there's still several spots where you can hang on to a guy who isn't going to give you much production this year but that you know you think that the year after that could give you a lot of production i think Fidone does definitely fit into that category
1: so he got injured in april i believe uh end of march or april and his adp was 185 in february 146 in march and then over 200 pretty much every other month and that's that's a sweet spot there and yep. i've been smashing um, I, I i started out getting no fadone and now i have you know uh, several of him um uh, when it was looking like i probably wouldn't have any all right guys maybe relevant there's so many quarterbacks here i don't actually want to talk about all these guys individually because <laughs> like honestly like i have jack Plummer, like i don't want to talk about jack Plummer, he's a, he's more startable on the college side than people think qb20 last year but I don't want to talk More about him. points per game basis. Yes. Um, so let's, let's talk about some of these other names that we have here. I'll, I'll list them all off here, Colin. And then you tell me one that's intriguing to you here. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. So I have JJ McCarthy, the freshman quarterback at Michigan. I just am not a believer in him and I'm not a believer in Harbaugh to develop him. And there's just like, I just don't believe in that, that, that at all. So McCarthy uh, missed me with McCarthy Graham Mertz of Wisconsin. Talia Tagovailoa at Maryland, Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana, Adrian Martinez at Nebraska. And I bet you're really surprised that I put Sean Clifford from Penn State <laughs> here. Um, but all guys that I think could have, like, I don't, I don't see NFL potential for any of those guys that I just named off. But they're all very intriguing fantasy options for this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, McCarthy's a guy who's definitely
2: fallen for me throughout this process here. Um, you know, as I've watched more of him, as I've kind of evaluated the situation, as we've heard buzz about some of these other guys looking good in spring and really have not heard that much about him. Um, he's definitely a guy who's fallen for me. So I am a little bit more aligned with you there on that than we were previously. Um, previously I was fairly high on him. If he was inside my top five, um, QBs, I think he was probably like four. Uh, but has fallen since then. I think Graham Mertz is the guy who's probably the most interesting here. Uh, Wisconsin had such a weird year last year with COVID. They were kind of, they had several players affected with COVID, including Mertz. So while he had a decent year last year, I don't really think you can put too much stock in that. I think he's going to have a really nice year this year. Um, Wisconsin doesn't have that, like we talked about with Berger, they don't have that bell cow slam dunk running back that we know they're going to feed and feed and feed. Um, we, we think that's probably going to be Berger. He's probably going to receive the lion's share of that. and We feel good about it, but I could also see them leaning on Mertz a little bit more um, Mertz is a very talented quarterback. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the Pecorino Payton, uh, I believe is what, uh, what you guys were calling him there on Debbie debate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause Felix comped him to Peyton Manning. Um, I, I think he's very talented. I think he's going to have a nice year this year. And I think he's going to put himself in a situation where you're going to start hearing some draft buzz for him. I don't know how fantasy relevant the Wisconsin quarterback is ever going to be on a, on a weekly basis on the college side. But uh, I think he's a guy who could see a nice little rise this year.
1: I think Harrison Bailey is a, um, a a a, um, a cautionary tale for J.J. McCarthy. You know, Bailey played in high school with Ricky White, with Kimani Vidal, with Eric Gilbert, and had all this talent around him. And, and it's apparently they probably made him look better than he is. J.J. McCarthy was at IMG Academy with Malik McLean and Ja'Cory Brooks as his top two receivers. And then had like Katron Allen and they had another back there as well. Um La, Carroll. Yeah. So it's just quarterbacks in high school that have all this talent around them. I think I can't you can't say this as a blanket statement, but you just have to, I think, consider and be more cognizant of the fact that they have all these amazing guys around them that are, you know, getting open, making some, you know, uh, maybe a, a 50-50 catch. They they can bail them out. Um, you know, raise their statistical profile. I think these are just things that we have to be cognizant of as we evaluate. And I think that, that, that could be, um, um, you know, that hold him back a little bit. Um, I just want to say, I have a lot of Adrian Martinez and I have a lot of Sean Clifford on zero quarterback. You get to the end of a draft. You're like, who can I plug and play this year? I think those are two guys that I, I kind of tend to target because nobody wants them because of how bad they were last year. And I am willing to overlook that um, in order to fill out the rest of my roster running back.
2: Well, just say even as bad as they were last year, uh, Martinez QB 43, Sean Clifford QB 45. So as
1: bad as they were last year, they they weren't that bad. Yeah. Fantasy perspective. Yes. Yes, exactly. We don't care how they're doing for, well, you care about how Sean Clifford's actually doing. I don't, (laughs) Um, I don't care about Adrian Martinez is doing in real life either. Um, A lot of running backs here. Uh, No, I don't I don't see much NFL upside for most of these guys, but I don't want to say that as a blanket statement. You have the two backs at Ohio State, Mayan Williams and Master Teague. We have Kayvon Lee at Penn State. We have Xander Horvath at Purdue. The Northwestern duo, Anthony Tyus and Cam Porter. Um, Tyus, the true freshman, Porter down for the year. And then they have um, um, St. Clair there, I believe is his last name as well. Transferred from Bowling Green. Uh, He'll figure into that backfield. Chase Brown from Illinois tayon fleet davis who we talked a little bit about earlier from maryland blake Corum from michigan kenneth walker the third from michigan state and isaiah pacheco the running back from rutgers um i don't know colin do, is there a name that jumps out to you as we kind of read through those um yeah anthony
2: tyus is definitely a guy who's interesting um I can't remember who it was. There's somebody on Twitter who was really hyping him up pretty early in the process. Um, So I apologize. I can't remember who that was, but there was somebody out there hyping him up very early and with Cam Porter going down, you know, definitely a shame there, but that opens up the opportunity for him and Northwestern is going to be starting Hunter Johnson at quarterback. Hunter Johnson was absolutely abysmal. Like you have to go uh, you have to go look up um, his stats from the year that he started. I think it was 2019 that he started for them and it was just absolutely terrible. Um, So they are not going to have good quarterback play. I think they're going to have to lean on the running back. They always have good offensive linemen. um, And I, you know, so I think Tyus is going to have a really nice year this year. Um, Now cam Porter comes back after that, then, you know, maybe they split touches, but um, you know, maybe not, maybe Anthony Ty seizes that job
1: if he has a really nice year. So I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I have like one or two chase Brown. I have one or two Blake Corum. one or two Kenneth Walker, but none of these guys are actually very interesting to me. Um, I just don't like What's the upside? Yeah. Like, I mean, Teon, uh, Jake Funk finishes the RB 43 last year, for example. So, I mean, I, I like Fleet Davis as a, as a roster rounder outer and same with, you know, Chase Brown. You get them in like the last 10 rounds, but uh, they're startable some weeks. There's just no NFL upside there. They're not they're not guys that I'm like, oh, man, as I'm going down my roster, I have Chase Brown or I have, you know, Xander Horvath. Or I, uh, they're just... Quorum's the only one I think that has like immense upside, and even then, I'm very skeptical that he actually ever hits that. I, I see a day three running back from him, out of him most likely because he's always going to split touches there. I don't, that that backfield's never going to be his, and he's not very big. I think he'll he'll weigh in at like slightly over two hundred at the combine or whatever, which is what I think he's at now. He looks pretty maxed out.
2: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with pretty much all of these guys. I, you know how much upside is there really with them, and. Uh, quorum goes fairly early compared to some of these other guys uh, the other guys go late enough that if you want to take a stab at them fine um i just am not taking a dart throw on those guys that late i would much rather go after uh, a guy like a kamani vidal or reese white is another guy who would probably go in that range. I didn't have the ADP up here of those guys, but Reese White's another guy who would go, I'm assuming in that range that I would just rather have over those guys who don't have that high of a ceiling in terms of, um, you know, fantasy production on the college side. And they're not guys I believe in on the, on the pro side as well. So outside of Anthony Tyus, I'm out on pretty much all of those guys. And I don't even love Anthony Tyus that much. It's more just the situation that he was in
1: yeah um, and you mentioned um what's his name the quarterback at at northwestern this year former five star kid. so yeah. there you know for people citing you know a jJ McCarthy as a five star quarterback, that is definitely not um, a guarantee of anything. Uh, wide receiver, there are a lot of wide receivers that I think are moderately intriguing. Um Daniel Jackson at Minnesota becomes a huge name especially if Hopkins Bell is out but I think he's he's comfortably the wide receiver 2 there. Um four star kid last year as the season went on. They only played 5 games. He went one catch, two catch, two catch, three catch, four catch. So like he 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 grew as the season went fish, on. Fish to fish red fish blue fish. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> yes. Um so I so pay attention to him. He got hot as the season went on or, or improved as the season went on. Keandre Lambert Smith is a contender to be that third wide receiver at Penn State. Uh, last year, he had 15 for 138, no touchdowns. And the, the 24, seven guys were saying that he, they think he's going to be the wide receiver three there this year, but they said, don't count out Harrison Wallace. Who's a true freshman, Uber, Uber athlete, but only a three star. Um, they, they've, they've, there's been some, some good and positive news about him coming out of camp. Samori Torre transfer again from the FCS level. Um, put up just crazy stats. He's a grad transfer in Nebraska this year and figures to lead that wide receiver room. Uh, Xavier Betts is there as well. A big athletic guy. That's a Felix Sharp special. Um, but not sure if that offense can support more than one wide receiver, Julian Fleming at Ohio state. Um, a guy who's, who's really seen a drop in in value as this off season has gone on uh, the two Maryland guys, Dante Demas and Deshaun Jones, uh, who last year, you know, in like four or five games each, put up 24 and 11 catches respectively, five touchdowns between the two of them. They'll start Jaden Reed and Ricky White, both at Michigan State. Uh, Jaden Reed had that huge freshman year in the MAC, transferred to Michigan State, and hasn't quite gotten right since then. Ricky White had that huge game last year that caused me to spend a lot of fob, and then it has done nothing. And then Bo Melton at Rutgers. He's uh, going to be the leading receiver there um, and and is probably a, an option to start on your fantasy rosters this year, but the NFL potential um, may, may not be there. Um, Anything stand out there besides the Penn state guys for you, Colin. (laughs) Um,
2: The only thing I'll say about Harrison Wallace is he's a guy that kind of got overlooked because of Lonnie white. Um, Everybody was really on Lonnie white coming in and for good reason. I mean, Lonnie white, a very good prospect there. Now that he's going to play baseball, um, you know, it's time to start paying attention to Harrison Wallace. There, um, I, you know he's been drawing a lot of buzz. Cam Sullivan-Brown's another guy in that Penn State room that's been drawing some a little bit of buzz early, but he's a redshirt senior guy, yeah, so he's old. Yeah, he's not anybody that I'm that interested in. If if Harrison Wallace is able to secure that third spot, uh, that's definitely somebody I want to pay attention to. Uh, the other guy I really want to pay attention to is um, Torrey out of uh, Nebraska. Uh, I don't know how much NFL potential he has, but he was, he absolutely smashed at Montana before transferring. And they don't have a lot of other options in that room. So I think he could end up being a, a really nice value.
1: Um, yeah, I, I definitely think he can be as well. 6'3, 190. Um, so he, he has size and he looks to be a pretty good athlete. I haven't seen any, um, you know, like confirmed athletic testing numbers on him one way or the other. Um, another guy that's kind of like that is Dalen Baldwin at Michigan, who I didn't put on here, but I, I considered, um, because Michigan just has like a bunch of those guys that they have like Roman Wilson. They have Cornelius Johnson. Um, they, they have Baldwin, the train the kid that transferred up. Um, so a, a lot of options there, but I don't know that passing offense can support any of those guys. So again, kind of like, kind of like Torrey here at, at, uh, Nebraska. That is interesting. Um, but a lot of question marks as well. Um, I've been fine like, I like um, I, I liked him last year um, did a few things he's he's like one of those skinnier guys like he's never going to be this huge hulking you know whatever so that's kind of why Washington I think got ahead of him on the depth chart so quickly but um, I, I want pieces of that offense once all once Aller gets there yeah which sounds really weird to say except Penn State really hasn't overwhelmingly been an offensive force I know in 2017 they had um, they had Gusecki um, uh, sequan and then they had two guys at receiver as well. I, I don't know if Hamler was one of them or not, but they, they had two receivers there that were pretty solid. Um, and then the, since then, it's kind of not been a, as strong. So, um, but but I, I'm in, in anticipation of Drew Aller getting there. I, I kind of want a couple of those pieces, one way or the other. Um, so he's the guy that I'm most interested in. Um, I feel like the answer should be that we're most interested in Julian Fleming in case he ever transfers (laughs) somewhere, but yeah, um, it just, he's just not interesting to me at at all. No, I think he's pretty,
2: pretty buried on that depth chart by the sound of things. And uh, I was never the biggest fan of him as a prospect coming out anyway. So I think the hype is the hype outlived the the actual talent. Um, If he transfers somewhere else, I'm willing to potentially reconsider. But at this point, you know, I'm, I'm not interested.
1: Yeah, he'll never be a true, uh, you know, big name at Ohio State, I don't think. Um, several tight ends here, actually, weirdly enough. Uh, Jake Ferguson at Wisconsin, um, tight end 17 last year. Sam Laporta at Iowa, the, the tight end factory there. Jeremy Ruckert, who we talked a little bit of earlier, tight end 43 last year. Uh, G-, G. Scott Jr., who is now, I guess, supposedly at 230 or something like that. Yeah. Um, We'll see if he can make that transition from wide receiver to tight end. And then Peyton shot at Indiana, um, a guy, you know, put up 52 catches in 2019 in 13 games. So maybe he's the wide receiver too, in Indiana that we want uh, ahead of, you know, a DJ Matthews or a, a Jaques Smith or some of these other guys that we've, we've talked a little bit about on this podcast over the past few months.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a decent shot that he's the number two receiving option in that offense, but I don't know how much I want that. Um, uh, I don't know how much NFL potential I see there. He, he'll probably get drafted. He'll stick on a roster somewhere, but um, not really all that interested in in any of these guys, to be honest. Guy Scott is intriguing for sure, because uh, I do like wide receiver converted to tight end type guys. If he can get the bulk up to be at a good size and keep his athleticism, uh, definitely intrigued by that. Um, I do also like Sam Laporta. Like I mentioned, Emar Smith-Marset is now no longer uh, there with Iowa. He, he's in the NFL now. So they are kind of lacking a, a top option in that passing game. I could see Laporta stepping in and being that option. And uh, he's a guy who I think does have some NFL potential as well.
1: Yeah, they have a couple other guys there. And I just think this can lead us right into our stashes because um, they have Keegan Johnson, a guy that you did a freshman profile on, mm-hmm. um, a several months ago at this point I think that was in March I think we did that one yeah. um his brother got drafted this year he was the kid out of North Dakota State right Cade. yeah Cade yeah Johnson. yeah um so so some bloodlines there listed as an athlete but he he's been getting some nice reviews there um from what I've seen when I check in with Iowa um which I actually do a surprising amount um, cause I kind of, <laughs> kind of like them for IDP and I've kind of been trying to figure out who's going to be like the other offensive, you know, the backup running back. Like they, they have some, some intriguing options there. So I've been looking at that, but then they also, Iowa has two backup running backs. that I think we're kind of trying to figure out who follows Tyler Goodson here. Uh, Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams, both second year guys. I'm pretty sure on that roster. Um, and they've, they've supposedly both been like, they've been neck and neck competition wise. So I'm not like I, I was stashing some Gavin Williams in really deep leagues earlier this off season. Um These are, these are guys that you don't need to stash right now. I don't think um, unless Goodson goes down with an injury. I don't think either is worth a roster spot this year.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that, but, uh, you know, like we've mentioned a couple times before, you always got to keep an eye towards the future. So towards the end of the year, if it you know, you start noticing Gavin Williams pull away and get some more options or carries there or or LaShawn Williams pull away towards the end of the year and kind of establish himself as the number two guy. It's definitely a guy to pick up towards the end of the year with an eye towards
1: 2022. Yeah, um, they're guys that I will probably look at to get in the end of the the, yeah. um, the year. Um, but definitely not before that. Um, some other stashes, I, I guess at this point, if you've noticed, we haven't <laughs> talked about, uh, about Quinn Ewers at all. He is the stash to end all stashes. Um, and he's going to like, if he's going in drafts, he's going so early that is barely a stash. That's not a stash price, really. I mean, it's yeah. in the same way that Caleb Williams is a stash, but um, I mean, yeah. I mean, what What is there to say about a guy that has a perfect rating on the 24, seven composite? Like, he's good. I don't, <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about it, to be honest. And I'm fine. He's so good that I'm fine with him sitting for a year. It yeah. doesn't bother me at all. Really uncertainty about where, if like, you know, what, whatever does not worry me with him at all. Yeah. I, I really, really like
2: his talent as well. So I'm not too worried about that either. Um, I, You know, if like I touched on with CJ Stroud, you know, if CJ Stroud has a really nice year, um, you know, then, is yours going to sit for two years? Is he going to go somewhere else? I'm not sure, but that uncertainty around the situation doesn't really bother me. Um, He's the type of guy that you kind of have to get now because I don't know if you'll ever get him from the the owner at that point.
1: Yeah. um, If you're scared of that stuff, then you don't deserve when (laughs) yours, that's just a, that's just factual. (laughs) Um, <laughs> uh, so just, you know, keep that in mind, people, uh, you guys fading Quinn, yours there. Um, Donovan McCulley at Indiana. He's a, a, we've, we've talked about him a lot on this show. One of my favorite stashes, one of your favorite stashes. Um, one of Felix's favorite stashes that he'll try to claim as his own in two years. Um, <laughs> really good player, really good player. Um the big athletic, like the kind of guy that should thrive at a school. That's not going to surround him with the best of the best. Like he probably wouldn't fit in that well at an, at an Alabama or, or something like that. But, uh, Indiana, I think could be a nice home for him. Yeah. He's a guy I like a lot
2: too. He's a guy that I've been stashing in, in several places as well. Yeah. Um,
1: Luke Lakey, I believe is how you say his last name that, uh, he's a younger tight end. He figures to uh, Iowa figures to be the next guy, up after Sam LaPorta, um, not worth rostering now, but just be aware of the name. If Laporte is about to declare at the end of this year that that that's the next guy there. Um, Jaden Ballard at Ohio State, wide receiver. I think he's you know, I don't, I didn't, I don't, uh, like him as much as I like Mookie last year, but he's the guy that's going to transfer, right? Most likely they, they have that heat. They have Grays and Burton and, and, um, uh, Antwee, and there's somebody else like they just have another big class coming in next year. So he's the guy that's going to get squeezed out. I'd be willing to bet significant amounts of money on that.
2: Yeah, it seems like Ohio State brings in, you know, four top talent, uh, top talented guys, at the wide receiver, like the top guys. And then one of them always leaves. And uh, that was Mookie Cooper. And it seems like it's probably going to be Ballard this year. So you kind of take him with an eye towards, OK, where is he going to go? Is he going to go somewhere that's a better situation? Most likely, is he going to go somewhere where he can be a college producer? So you're going to have to monitor that. But I still like him as a stash as well.
1: Um, there's also no guarantee that he leaves. There's not, I don't know. Some of these guys are contentious to sit there for four years. I don't know that. I don't think that's a very smart idea, but I mean, I think a lot of these guys that go there aren't particularly smart. So what do I know? (laughs) Um, Evan Pryor, another guy going to transfer out and we talked about him earlier. He's never going to play there. Kyle McCord, never going to play there wow, shit, there's a pattern emerging here. I wonder what it is Jack at Ohio Miller. State. <laughs> it's not even worth putting down here.
2: Like, <laughs> but he will also likely transfer um, out.
1: Yeah, and then Reggie Love III is a guy. I think, um, I, th- I think whoever wrote the article for him, I think it was Chris Moxley on the site, mentioned mm-hmm. him. He's probably the coaches like him. He's probably the next guy up behind Chase Brown. Uh, I believe he's a second-year guy. Um, so just if you're looking for college producer and he's got nice size too. Um, so just, you know, again, don't need him now, end of the year, pay attention. If you have a league that you get, you know, unlimited ads or whatever off the waiver wire, then I think he's worth a, a sneaky ad at the end of the year. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Cool. All right, guys. So that is the big Ten. Well, I guess, I mean, we talked about our avoids. Is there anybody else that you want to talk about that you're avoiding at their current cost?
2: Um, not really. I'm kind of avoiding Blake Corum. We didn't really mention him too much
1: as t- in terms of an avoid. His, um, his ADP has dropped like 70 this offseason. I looked at it earlier. Yeah, he started out at like 150 and now he's yeah. below 200. Now, okay. that's a price I'm willing to pay. That 150 okay. was probably slightly yeah. steep for him at the beginning okay. of the offseason. That's
2: kind of where I was still picturing him as in that 150 range. If he's down into 200, it, okay, no longer in avoid.
1: um Carry It surprised on. me. Yeah, it surprised on. me. Um yeah, I, I, I think we kind of hit on all of our avoids um, or all of my avoids, at least. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be tonight's show, guys. Um, two more conferences left, um, right? Yes. Yeah. Pac-12 yeah, and SEC. Yeah. Pac-12 will be next, and then we'll wrap it up with the SEC. Um, that will get you guys. Uh, so this weekend coming up is week zero. There's four games, so we figure it's not going to hurt if we, you know, continue the SEC series right. on through Monday or th- right. yeah, through Saturday, C- Monday.
2: Any SEC teams that play Week One? No. Yeah, I don't think so. The only no. Pac-12 team is UCLA, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. And then there's what Fresno, Fresno, UConn, UTEP, New Mexico State. Yeah, uh, Hawaii, UCLA, and then Nebraska, Illinois. I yeah. think are the four games. Um, can you tell I'm ready for college football to be here? That I knew what all four of those were um, <laughs> off the top of my heads. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, make sure that you're checking in with all of the other stuff we've got going on at the website. And we're really ramping it up here, guys. And next weekend is the the kickoff of our two live shows: um, the tailgate in the morning, 10 a.m. sharp, um, and then the coast to coast in the evening um or at night at, at 10 10 p.m uh or later i uh, will be the start time there and we're really looking forward to both of those shows with you guys yeah that's going to be a lot of fun i'm really excited for that
2: i got a new webcam got a new piece for my mic um all ready for that did you find a way to like
1: lock your dog outside for a couple hours or
2: <laughs> <laughs> no no the only time he's ever uh, annoying on the pod is if uh if, if becca's not here to to keep him entertained because i can't close him out of the room because then he'll just paw at the door and you'll hear that in the background so i kind of have
1: to hope he just sleeps oh that's that here. pawing sound i was i was about to call the police so i'm glad it's just it's <laughs> just him sitting outside the door there i mean that's that's what i want you to think oh okay all right wow you played that off really well all right <laughs> that yeah, guys smooth <laughs> that's that's me beyond beyond smooth. the live just guys we've got all the podcasts. why why wait till Sunday comes back this week? Chris Moxley, Alfred Fernandez, doing all your DFS content. Um, we have the fantasy football roundtable, Debbie debates. We've got tons of articles coming up. Jerek is working on something very cool, data wise, that's going to be coming out soon. Um, betting content. The Discord is really starting to, you know, it's been hopping all all off season, but you know, getting the last minute preparations in there. Um, so just a lot of fun stuff. If you guys haven't checked in yet, uh, please do so. Um, But beyond that, guys, uh, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Enjoy the week, guys.